Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. On. Oh, brilliant from Fernandes, and he gets it through to Alanga. There's no coming back from this. Lead to finished. Well, that was good, wasn't it? Anthony Alanga capping off a great win at Leeds in a crazy game with crazy weather. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving. Joining us today are Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten. Um, we're just talking football today, really. We're going to look back at Leeds and we're going to look ahead to Manchester United's return to Champions League action. And Andy Mitten, I'll come to you first because I can hear wind, I can hear traffic noise. Where are you? I'm halfway uh, to somewhere near Alicante in Spain. I'm going to interview a former Manchester United and Leeds United player for The Athletic. He played in the 90s, so people listening to this, you should know. He scored some important goals in the game, actually. So I'm in Valencia. I'm not telling people um, that I know Gary Neville because he isn't a legendary manager here. I'm sat outside the train station, sat near McDonald's. I want to order some food, but I can't because I'm doing it this. And if I go inside, then someone might have my computer and microphone away. And after here, I'm going to go to Villarreal Juventus and then going to Atletico Manchester United. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I'll see Laurie there for the, the next podcast. But it's just Champions League week. This is what it's all about. The weather's fantastic in Spain. Um, if you come into Spain, 3,000 United fans are, do not bring a big coat. Just add official notification from Madrid City Council. Uh, in their words, it's piping here. Yeah, Andy's just been showing Laurie and I the scenery around him and there's a bright blue sky. Looks absolutely fantastic. Andy, don't worry about us. I nearly got blown over taking the rubbish out this morning. I look like one of those viral videos from London from last week. Um, most important question to ask at this point, though, what is sausage and egg McMuffin in Espanol, por favor? McDonald's actually anglify a lot of their their menu. Um Okay. Salchichas y huevos. I'm going to try it in Spanish. Well, I'm going to try, I'll order it at the end of this podcast. Look at him looking around there just in case anyone's judging him. Yeah, because I don't want someone looking at me like thinking, who's that idiot over there? When you're sat there not having anyone looking at you and people are already looking at me thinking, who's that crank? But I, I trust me, I will try and order a sausage and egg McMuffin in Spanish once we've done this. Excellent. I could just eat one of those, Laurie. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm not having brekkie yet this morning either. And, and like you, um, the weather here isn't exactly giving me 
Um, you know, anything no. to be happy about given that I'm seeing Andy's blue skies and, and sunshine. Uh, yeah, the M62 on the way back from Ellen Road last night was particularly tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that trip a few times. I haven't been to uni at Leeds, but it was a, a you know very windy, very rainy. Uh, it was a kind of 50 mile an hour job on the workway back. So, Andy, you're exacerbating my pain. I did that journey back from Leeds two weeks ago and it was horrendous. It was one of them where you, you wind the window down. Whoa, what was that? And there's like warnings everywhere. And you see people who are stuck on the, the, the side as you go past the bit in the middle of the motorway where um, there's a house in the middle of the motorway. We need to get to the bottom of that story, by the way, somehow. And um, I'm glad you got back, Laurie. It looked absolutely brilliant. Everyone's buzzing off it and scoring four goals at Leeds. I'm sure we're going to talk about it. Apparently that house in the middle of the motorway I, there was always this rumour that this guy, this farmer, refused to move because they were going to build the M62. Um, and he was like, no, I love my farm, I'm not going to move. And actually, it turned out that they just didn't even want to move his house. They just built the motorway around it because it made more sense with the way that the hills shaped, that they could just move around it. So he's just there in the middle of these two motorways going east and west. Uh, and apparently the sheep are fine. Yeah, I'm sure they're not poisoned by all the carbon dioxide or whatever else comes out of exhaust. Anyway, let's get into it. What a crazy day Sunday was. What a crazy match that was at Ellen Road. How crazy was the weather? Uh, some of the weird things that happened yesterday. United managed to play well in the first half and the second half, aside from, of course, a mad minute. Uh, when they conceded twice. United actually managed to score four goals, something that they'd not done in September in a single game. Harry Maguire scored from a corner, the first time United had scored from a corner this season after 140 corners. Finally, Fred even scored, not from a corner. Jesse Lingard started a league match for the first time in two years. Paul Pogba had the freedom of Ellen Road and Jadon Sancho was serving up everything apart from half-time pies. The atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. Leeds fans had waited 19 years to abuse Manchester United players again. Some of them had emptied the piggy bants and saved up loose change <laughs> for the occasion. But they could only watch United become the first club to record 700 Premier League wins. Even Ralph Rangnick was spotted fist-pumping the away end. What a Sunday, Laurie. You were there. What a build-up by you, that was. You captured everything there. Thank you. you. I thought I'd seen it all and you've, you've spotted little bits that even I missed. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> so much to unpack there, isn't there, with the way that United played. I think in large parts they were really good. Um, that 24 seconds where Leeds turned the game on its head, they were just hungry, weren't they, into the tackles in that moment after half-time where clearly they'd had a bit of a, a scene too, I suppose, from the manager. Um, and they got into United and the atmosphere at Ellen Road really was on top. You know, it was properly, you know, uh, fierce. Um, there was obviously objects thrown onto the pitch. You know, you had, you know, Paul Pogba picking up some loose change and kind of laughing at the crowd. Ansel Langer obviously got hit by a coin, but responded in the right way by going and scoring a goal and then kind of shushing the crowd behind again. You know, didn't, 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 wasn't, wasn't scared I thought to go. should have done the money side yeah, quite when he scored. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting him to be flicking bills everywhere, well, like the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, it would have been funny if, 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 if Leeds fans had actually sort of put some £5 or £10 notes into paper aeroplanes and thrown them on the pitch rather than coins. <laughs> um, but I quite like that he did go behind the goal, didn't he, Alanga, after, after he scored. So it wasn't like he was kind of cowed by it. You know, he did uh, put himself in no. harm's way again. Um, and listen, you can probably criticise the way that United did seem to lose their way a bit. I mean, Leeds are not a good team, you know, from what you see in there, the way they had to reshuffle the back line, particularly um, with Cock going off injured. It was it was kind of makeshift and you could see that there were, there were goals there for United. They could have scored more, couldn't they? And, and I do think Leeds will struggle for the rest of the season. Um, but at the same time, they showed character and that was kind of what the piece that I wrote um, after the game was about. In, particularly in the way that Harry Maguire's you know, leadership perhaps has been the, the source of focus at the moment, you know, with kind of questions about Cristiano Ronaldo's 
um, status in the dressing room. But I thought he came through and had a really good game. Obviously, he scored that goal, as you say, but also, you know, he was communicative with his teammates, sort of kind of pushing them into certain situations. He carried the ball out pretty well a couple of times, and that was obviously something that Victor Lindelof did really well, and and clearly was a strategy for United to upset the way that Leeds man mark um, there, you know, in in defensive in defensive moments. So, um, and then also he actually had a, a really calm header for the goal uh, for um, for Bruno's goal. He sort of started off that attack by sort of seeing the the movement of Rodrigo, sensing it, and then actually sort of picking a little header to Lindelof, uh, and away he went. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good performance from Maguire, and just really, I mean, yeah, as you say, 19 years of a you know of wait for for fans to be at Ellen Road for a Premier League fixture, it didn't disappoint, did it? And I think that's the kind of the biggest takeaway that actually it was a is a brilliant game to watch, full of entertainment, full of muddy shorts and slide tackles, and Scott McTominay probably getting a little <laughs> bit too excited, um, but all in all, a good win in the end. Andy, I know you weren't at Ellen Road to watch it, but you must have loved it, just like anyone who was there. To see those scenes, especially at full time, uh, in front of the away end, all the Manchester United players going over, the manager going over, that that's not happened for a while either, has it? That that sense of celebration at the end of a game like that. I'm, I'm gutted I wasn't there. I had all my mates giving me updates from, from the away end on their, their trip over there. It's the first time I've missed that match for ages, but I, I just can't do uh, every single game in person I thought scoring four at Leeds that's always going to be your headline there was that wobble for 24 seconds when Leeds scored <laughs> a couple of goals Laurie's right to pick out um, Pogba especially in the first half tired uh, a bit at the start of the second uh, and Maguire he really needed that the goal um, the celebration I know he's a Yorkshireman but he really he loved it atmosphere from the United end sounded spot on you talked about the coins uh, one of my friends told me that of a steward jumping midair to catch a coin that had thrown and catching it. So rather than it going near Manchester United's players, this steward did a fantastic uh, save off it. I thought United were, were impressive in the first half in in difficult circumstances on on that pitch. It's a very real game. It was like a throwback. The only thing it was missing was mud, which you probably wouldn't get on these modern day super pitches. Leeds, as Laurie says, they're a weak team. They're providing Manchester United with some of the rare highlights at these times, <laughs> the opening day of the season, the game last season, and no Leeds fans will be happy about that at all. But Manchester United, they're not getting a bad run together. I know we sort of ebb between, oh no, another draw, but under Rangnick, the team aren't losing many matches, and I know that the quality of the opponents isn't as high as in incoming weeks, but the optimist in me feels that I'm pretty confident United will finish fourth. We didn't have a good day on Saturday with Liverpool coming from behind. Not that United are catching Liverpool this year. Arsenal winning, uh, Chelsea getting a late goal. But I think we've had a good run where those teams, where Chelsea have not been doing well, Tottenham have not been doing well. I know that they beat, beat City. But I, I was really encouraged and to, to, to score four away at, at Leeds. And I, I was just comparing it to last season. After 26 games, United are only four points behind where the team were last season. And if United beat Watford, which isn't a given, given what happened last time those two met, only two points behind last season. And I know, again, there's there's tough games coming up, but you can sort of always look at this season as, is it a complete disaster or it could have quite a happy ending. Champions League would obviously have a major, major bearing on that. But while we're speaking on this Monday... Having seen United beat Leeds United 4-2, the world seems a much better place.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, we should point out at this stage as well, there's a piece on The Athletic at the minute by Phil Hay and Luke Bosher uh, because the FA are investigating uh, Anthony Langer being struck by an object to Ellen Road. You can read more about that on there. Uh, also, your take on the match as well, Laurie, which was a really interesting line in it about the way that Manchester United survived the atmosphere. And it was a test for this group to survive such a hostile atmosphere because it's one of the probably the most hostile atmospheres they've faced in recent seasons, you pointed out correctly. Yeah, I thought so. I was, try- I was trying to recollect. I mean, maybe Andy will think differently to me and he- he's-, he's thought of another one, but I suppose you've got the closed doors, you know, period where clearly there was there was no hostile atmosphere. Not, not much of a comparison, that <laughs> no. one. No, no. But even then, like even before that point, I'm trying to think of, you know, Anfield, was it was it particularly bad before? I, I don't know. This felt like you had 30,000 um, sort of Yorkshire, you know, Leeds fans that had been waiting for this moment for such a long time and they were going to give it their all in terms of being vocal, being on the edge. Clearly it, it passed the edge, you know, as you say, with the FA investigation into it because I think they've had a few incidents. I think this was the third incident where they've had stuff thrown onto the pitch. Um, but clearly they... You know that you could just sense it around the ground. There was a huge police presence. I think you know, sort of record numbers for number of police, and and certainly, you know, I was struggling a little bit to get into the ground beforehand because there was so much security. Like I was trying to figure out which way I needed to go, and and that you know, as ever, police weren't necessarily the most helpful, which I guess they wouldn't know the media entrance at Ellen Road fair enough to them. But um, clearly, it was. You mean you didn't have a personal chaperone, Laurie? <laughs> I needed Andy Mitten there, didn't I? In that I, free brow atmosphere as Do you well. You know who I am. Um, no, I had to sort of make my way in. And to be fair, I left it a bit late because there was ridiculous traffic around Ellen Road, um, and you know, I was sort of in in there for forty minutes, so uh, I had to get a, get a skip on once <laughs> I parked up. But um, it, but it, but once in, there, it's what you want from a, a Leeds Man United game. You know, we've talked about games in the past and, and told people what the rivalry is all about. You know, because it's been such a long time, and this was a game that actually lived up to it. Goals, tackles, you know, really animosity fueled atmosphere and, and that's that's kind of the big takeaway that I had when this group has been kind of questioned for their mentality questioned for their togetherness um, actually they kind of came through it twice you know to win it once was was good and, and kind of silent to them around the, the noise when Bruno Fernandes scored was eerie you know it was so quiet and I know that that's probably because the United fans down to our right were in a section where the noise doesn't really travel that much um, but the rest of the stadium was absolutely silent and again you know when Elanga scored the fourth to really um, complete the victory, so I, I think you can you can kind of come away from that thinking that's a, a good sign. Yeah, they need to show it more often. You know, I do think there are issues. You know, in terms of being able to withstand certain moments in games. Um, you know, clearly Bruno Fernandes going down when he, he just take a touch. You know, and, and kind of keep control of the ball. It, it it got a little bit frenetic at that moment, and that's what Leeds wanted. And United could have calmed calmed the matters down a bit. There, there was actually a moment when Paul Pogba. Um, it, it, sort of in the second half, gave it back to David De Gea, and he was sort of putting his ha- hands out, you know, sort of saying "calm, calm." And De Gea sort of kicked it, and Leeds had a free kick, and then it was sort of United on the back foot a little bit. Um, so I think that that was perhaps an element that some players were kind of conscious of. And listen, I mean, 
Ralph Rangnick got criticised only for taking off Pogba, who was brilliant in the first half. I, I personally felt like I did see him tire. Um, and then Fred comes on and, and scores the goal as we all knew he would. Um, I'm sure that was what Ralph Rangnick had in his mind. More more league goals than, than Lionel Messi is it this season for Fred now. Um, so I think there's, there was good signs where you had Ralph Rangnick, you know, substitutions worked. He came on the pitch and calmed Matt's down himself. Players sort of standing up to difficult moments. So I don't know, that's the, kind of the way I came away from the game, thinking more positively than negatively. I think you're right to mention uh, Fred there. I think we should also say Victor Lindelof with his, his runs forward was fantastic. Brilliant for Alanga uh, to score the goal. And Bruno Fernandes is just a really important player for Manchester United. O- on Friday, I asked Ralph Rangnick, was he and his players ready for Leeds away? Because I wasn't convinced they knew what was coming. When I looked at the people who were going to travel over the Pennines, I thought, who really knows about this game and and he said yeah yeah I'm, I'm only just learning about this rivalry so that was my fear but I think the Manchester United players passed the test and in some style Leeds were always going to be right up against United uh, and their fans were as well the ground's a bit of a throwback the atmosphere's a throwback Liverpool away and Manchester City away it's been sanitised quite a lot in the last decade Leeds is not somewhere where half and half Manchester United, Leeds United scarves sell well. You will see them at Old Trafford, but at Ellen Road, I wouldn't like to be selling those scarves on the approach to Ellen Road. Manchester United are really, really disliked in that part of West Yorkshire. And I think that is fantastic. I think the rivalries should be like that. I'm not on about the the violence. I'm not on about songs about um, Munich and about Istanbul, but I love the enmity that comes it just feels really real and it's great especially because Manchester United usually beat Leeds United yeah especially in recent times blimey like you said before it has been three of the highlights of recent times hasn't it those results against Leeds and speaking of passing the test Harry Maguire even survived a social media trial didn't he as well because he posted a picture of him celebrating on social media and some Hawkeyes there's a lot of them about, and they spotted that a face had been photoshopped onto one of the Leeds fans. They were all wondering what was going on, and Maguire explained that one of his good friends is a Leeds fan. He was at Allen Road. He wasn't in that picture, so he thought he'd just rub salt in his <laughs> wounds a little bit by photoshopping his head onto the picture. Go and have a look at Harry's uh, social media account to, to see that. That's brilliant, Andy, isn't it? Love a bit of that. Yeah, I, I love a bit of that. I love it that players associate with fans and rival fans in a good way I hate the word banter but I think it's an important part of football Harry's a a Yorkshire lad he's been having a tough time people will have been on his case he's gone there he's scored he's celebrated and he can wind his mates up and good on them they support Leeds United it was a bad day for them that's how the cookie crumbles but I, I liked Harry Maguire in doing that, in doing a really bad Photoshop. I reckon he's not learned Photoshop to do that, by <laughs> no, the way. No. But the, the sentiment behind it was a good one. Yeah, exactly. The, the worse the Photoshop skills, the better, <laughs> really. To make the point, make sure that the Hawkeyes noticed it. Um, we need to talk about Jaden Sancho as well, don't we, Laurie? I mean, this lad is blossoming now into a really important player for Manchester United, just at the right time, of course, with the Champions League starting again and the race for the top four hotting up. But he looks at home finally in a red shirt, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that was probably his best performance for United given the occasion yeah. given yeah. the output that he produced um, and, and in the and in the really crucial moments as well I actually just before he set up Bruno Fernandes I had turned to Phil Hay and said Sancho's getting in really good positions but he keeps overhitting 
his passes. I'm not sure he's got quite the judgment right yet. And obviously he goes and produces an extremely delicate chip at full speed um, to Bruno Fernandes. And, and, and on reflection, I think that assist gets better and better because in the moment you're sort of thinking, oh yeah, you, you know, just chip it up, you can do it. And, and he, he produces it perfectly. But then actually he realised that he was moving at such a speed um, and he, he had the one-two with Lindelof, you know, to, to, to right decisions in right moments in split-second, um, you know, opportunities to do so. And then, yeah, his second, the second goal as well, you've got Ronaldo in the middle with his arm up. You know, it takes a brave man to say no to, to him and actually give it to Fred. I'm not sure many people would say that was the, the better course to goal. But actually, you know, Fred on his left foot knows what he's doing, albeit he has scored a pretty decent goal with his right um, this season. So, um, yeah, I thought Jaden Sancho really did take the mantle and he seems, I mean, it's that left side, isn't it? You know, he was bought as a, ostensibly a right winger, but it's the left side and Ralph Rennick mentioned it in his press conference that that's where he sees him. Um, and, and it is it is pleasing to see because we did a piece in November when we talked about Sancho and, and, and I think his confidence was shot. I think he came into Man United a big, big club. There was a lot of upheaval. Um, you know, the, the speed of the Premier League, I think, perhaps took him back a little bit. But, from what we were being told. Penalty miss for England? Yeah, penalty miss in the summer for England. I do think that had an effect, yeah. And, and certainly, you know, I, I, he didn't take one against Middlesbrough. Um, you know, it wasn't on the pitch, I know, at that point. But um, he, you know, you sort of wonder, would he would he take a penalty in a penalty shootout, you know, coming up if, if needs be in, in a Champions League? That, that could be a real moment of, of sort of redemption, I suppose. But I do think that he... Um, he did have a bit of a shock to the system coming to Manchester United, given what was happening with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and the kind of the reports of unrest within the dressing room, and and just being able to get into a team where perhaps systems aren't necessarily that 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 bigger a, a thing. You know, it's more individual flair, and he'd come from Borussia Dortmund, where it's all about systems and timings and, and relationships on the pitch, and it just took him a little bit of time. But everybody behind the scenes was was telling us that he is applying himself. You know, he is somebody that is listening. Um, he did come in with an injury as well, and he had an ear infection. I think that was quite bad actually. Um, that he was sort of training with it, with with cotton buds in his ear, that kind of thing. And and, and all those things weren't you know publicised necessarily. So it's not like you know people can instantly understand why perhaps he's not hit the ground absolutely running. But now we're seeing you know the, the timing of the passes, the, the 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 selection. I mean that, that dribble you know down the wing. You know he's he's getting his his boots you know white with the the chalk or whatever it is at the moment that they use. Um, on the pitch, um, I know Andy's talked about modern pitches now and, and modern chalk, whatever it is. Paint, paint, right there we go. <laughs> so then, I, I, but he's come away with the ball. He's like forced his way through, you know, a couple of tackles, and, and that's the kind of wing play that United fans, you know, re- recognise from back in the day, don't they? So it was, it was really pleasing to see. But I mean, what, what do you think, in Sancho? Have you always been a, a kind of supporter of him, or, or have you kind of doubted whether he was the right guy for United at any point? Yeah, I think we had doubts at the start, didn't we? At the start of the season, definitely, because he looked like he was struggling. Um, but when you look at all the different explanations for that, I wouldn't call them excuses. I think they're genuine reasons. Uh, and you can understand why he didn't settle in straight away. Uh, he's being played consistently now on the left, which a couple of weeks ago I was tearing my hair out that a right winger wasn't being used on the right wing. But I'll admit I was wrong. It was right to stick with stick with him down the left. It's almost like these football managers know more than us. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, and he just looks like... Although his assist, his first assist came on the right, didn't it? Yes, it did, in fairness, yeah. Um, but then you sort of look at the way he played at the weekend and he's played in that same position consistently. So maybe the issue was that he was being switched from left to right constantly. He was in the team, he was out of the team and now he's had a run of games 
on the left and we're seeing the best of Jaden Sancho and I'm excited now to see what else he can do because a big thing I think Carl was speaking about was about the understanding and relationship that he had with other players as well and you see that the run that he's had on the left wing has been alongside Luke Shaw and those two are beginning to build a decent understanding and obviously then his relationship with the midfielders and the forwards is blossoming like we say as well so yeah it should be a really strong end to the season for Jaden Sancho and that's a good news definitely for Manchester United. Uh, Andy just a last note then before before we move on, um, Jesse Lingard starting came from nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Ralph Rangnick explained his reasons for playing Jesse, and he said that he was one of the few players who had experience of playing these types of, of fixtures. I thought Jesse was was neat. He was tidy. He didn't overly impact on the game in in pretty difficult circumstances, and I wasn't surprised when 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 he came off, but. I think Jesse, because Mason Greenwood is not going to be playing, there's going to be some opportunities um, for him. So I, I thought I thought he did all right, and I understand Ralph Rangnick's reasons for him starting. Um, I thought the way that he used his substitutions. Well, look what happened. Fred was the man. Ilanga was the man. He got that right uh, from the, the changes that he made. Okay, let's move it on to Madrid. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. You'll get full access to all our great writing on Manchester United and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast as well. So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and sign up now for six months at just £1 a month. Okay, let's preview Wednesday then. Andy, considering you're in McDonald's in Spain, uh, I think you should probably start this section. You've renewed your free 30-minute Wi-Fi as well, so that's good. So the connection should be strong now. Um, What sort of shape are Atletico Madrid in to take on Manchester United this week? I'm outside McDonald's, I'm not inside it, and I'm yeah, on a bus yeah, in 24 yeah. minutes, and I'm secretly thinking, am I going to have time to order some food before this podcast ends? Atletico Madrid are struggling. They are the Spanish champions. They're not having a good season. Similar to Manchester United, they've been fourth and fifth. They beat Osasuna uh, 3-0 at the weekend. It was the first time that they'd kept a clean sheet away from home all season. It's been very disappointing considering that they won the league last year. They have had injuries. But I've spoken to lots of people around the club. I spoke to some Atletico fans on Saturday. And one of them said, we're even doubting whether Simeone is the man who's going to be staying in charge long term. And that's a really significant statement because he's like their Sir Alex Ferguson. He's been there over a decade. They've been champions twice. They've played in two Champions League's finals. And this is the opposite of what Atletico Madrid were. They were always a big club, but they were renowned for failing all the time. And it was only with players like David De Gea, um, Sergio Aguero, Diego Forlan, that they rose to some sort of prominence a decade ago, but they're a completely different club now. They've got a new stadium, which United fans are going to experience on Wednesday. 67,000 all-seaters, a really good ground. Some team from England won the Champions League there two or three years ago, playing another team from England. But Atletico's defence was always their strong point under Diego Simeone. And they've conceded more goals than any team in the top 11 in Spain. There are players in that defence who do not look like Atletico Madrid defenders. So famously you had Godin and you knew Atletico were going to start every week in defence. It's been a much more changed side this season. Kieran Trippier, he left halfway through uh, the season. 
He was very effective for them uh, last year. But they've been really inconsistent. They got beat 1-0 at home last week to Levante. Levante, bottom of the league. Uh, I think they've won two matches. And they deserve to win the game. Luis Suarez scored a great goal for Atletico at Osasuna. But he was barely impacted on the game. They played a 4-4-2. They had Jao Felix up front with him. He's prodigiously talented. He's one. He's like the fifth most expensive player ever in the world. But he's also inconsistent within matches. Uh, the other thing I should probably mention is Antoine Griezmann didn't feature. So he would be unlikely to start for Atletico. He's one of the best players in the world. He's someone who interested Manchester United several times. And... He was expected to come on against Osasuna. He didn't do that. So he might come on against Manchester United, but he's not expected to start. They've still got really, really good players, and Manchester United have studied them very closely. Jan Oblak's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But as I speak about it, it just excites me. This is where we want Manchester United, playing games like this. And I want revenge for 91, because they beat United 3-0 there. That was my first European away trip outside of like Rotterdam and Wrexham. And I was distraught. So revenge, no excuses. Young me was distraught. So I'm, I'm, pr I'm pretty confident of, of Manchester United. And I wouldn't have been a year ago against this Atletico side. No, it's funny how things have changed in that regard. You mentioned Jao Felix in there as well. There was a lovely profile piece on The Athletic a few weeks back uh, by Dermot Corrigan, who spent an hour with him uh, just to go through his career so far and his influences. And it was interesting that he mentioned Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously fellow Portuguese players as big influences on him and Cristiano Ronaldo against Atletico Laurie has got a brilliant record as well 25 goals in 35 appearances against him he's only scored more goals in his career against Sevilla but will he start this game I mean that match at Ellen Road must have taken so much out of the players considering the conditions and the emotion as well not least Ronaldo I think he'll start, won't he? I think it would be a big thing if he... He has yeah, to, doesn't he? It? it would be a major story if Cristiano Ronaldo does not start Champions League last 16 time when he is the player that's basically got them there with his goals, you know, the late drama that he's produced, you know, in, in multiple group stage games. Um, and this is his competition, you know, he's won it five times. Um, I was there for one of the finals against Atletico Madrid when they, they won on penalties and he, he scored in the shootout um, and he came in through the mix zone afterwards and and smelt fantastic. Um, and so I, so I think he'll start. And, and look, I mean, Ralph Rangnick took him off, didn't he, towards the end of the game. There was no drama this time. He wasn't throwing his arms up in the air thinking, hey, there's a goal in this for me. No. We can make it 5-2. He accepted that, you know, perhaps he'd, he'd you know, had his course on that on that kind of muddy pitch. And, you know, as you say, I think that, that does drain you more as, as a footballer when you're kind of running on difficult surfaces like that. So hopefully the guys can kind of rest up and, you know, I suppose the, the match being a Wednesday is, is beneficial in that sense. Um, I suppose they wouldn't have had a Sunday, Tuesday game uh, anyway, would they? The broadcasters wouldn't have, a, wouldn't have a been able to do that. But still, you know, an extra sort of day um, recuperation. Um, and yeah, Madrid, you know, sunshine, Champions League, last 16 tie against the Spanish champions. If you don't get excited for that as a player, then you're in the wrong job. Uh, whatever fatigue you might be feeling after a, an exerting um, Premier League fixture. Um, so I, I, I'm like Andy, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and it's interesting what you say about Jao Felix, just because whenever I speak to people in Portugal that know way more about these kind of things than I do, um, they see him as you know the real um, real talent in the Portuguese team, sort of above Bruno Fernandes, really, who's who's perhaps not had as much success on the international stage as 
as you know he has done in, in, in club form for Manchester United. So um, I'm really interested to see him in the flesh for the first time live. Um, and, and as Andy mentions, Luis Suarez is another kind of figure that United fans would be uh, interested by. Um, but it is it does it looks like a really intriguing tie. You know, I think when the draw was first made, people were probably thinking, you know, oh well. PSG, Atletico, is there that much between them, you know, with the old weird draw that went on and they had to, to redo it. Um, but as time's gone on, I think you can see that Atletico Madrid is a more appealing um, opponent for Manchester United, just given the way their fixtures have been and, and given the fact that they are offering up chances like they, they didn't used to. Um, and you kind of feel like in a kind of match of chaos that Manchester United might have a better chance. Yeah, the one thing I suppose about Atletico is the recent experience that they've got in the knockout stage of the Champions League, which perhaps this Manchester United side is a little short of at the minute, although of course they've got experience in the Europa League in recent years. But Atletico have lost eight times in 15 matches in all competitions since the start of December. The form is really poor, that includes the final of the Spanish Super Cup. And they only took seven points in the group stages as well, Andy. They were beaten home and away by Liverpool. But could that know-how count when it comes to a, a crucial period like this? How, how do you see that playing out? Of course it can count. Look at the squad list. They've got the players. It's like Manchester United. When people who don't watch Manchester United every week look at the players at Old Trafford, they go, wow, wow. And then the reality of the people who do watch them all the time is that we know they're underwhelming. Atletico have got top, top players. Another one we should mention is Angel Correa. He scored his 11th goal of the season on Saturday and he was on the bench until the 80th minute a bit of a hangover from that Levante defeat last week he's on form in 2022 I think only Robert Lewandowski has matched his seven goals so far in this calendar year in Europe's top five league so there are quality players Carrasco is banned for both legs but um, Jose Jimenez is a defender who's very very good Manchester United tried to sign him at the start of 2018 and Jose Mourinho wanted him, spoke to the player, spoke to the club, and Atletico Madrid just said, no chance. Which is pretty much the response they got when they tried to sign Diogo Dalot as a replacement for Kieran Trippier. So there's lots of interaction between the two clubs. Bring it on, can't wait. 3,000 United fans, fantastic stadium. It's a little bit out the centre of Madrid, so travelling Reds, give yourself a little bit more time. But yeah. I, can't, I can see Laurie smiling. We're up for this. Yeah, we are. We all are, aren't we? Right, before we round off the podcast then, just a couple more pieces of news to talk about, really. Laurie, what did you make of Ralph Rangnick saying he's not exactly sure what Darren Fletcher does on Friday? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the, well, the, <laughs> the full quote is talking about how uh, beneficial he is around training and at matches. <laughs> put me on the spot there, Ian. Look at you. I'm, I'm being Devil mischievous. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and I think he was sort of saying, as regards his club role, I don't really know because maybe he doesn't ask the questions in that regard. But I, I do think there was a, a perhaps, you know, he said this about Mike Phelan, didn't he? Where he was like, I don't really know what Mike Phelan necessarily does. And I don't know if that's just him being quite, um, you know, straightforward, you know, call a spade a spade. But I think it does perhaps hint at, I mean, I've said this before, I haven't had clarity required for Darren Fletcher, technical director at Manchester United being in the dugout, it's just unusual. Like either you want him in the dugout as, as a coach and, and, and a really valuable member of staff in that sense, or you kind of have him in the boardroom and kind of more focused on recruitment and kind of overarching ideas as what you know we would usually interpret a technical director to be. So I think clearly the flux at the club has seen Fletcher kind of put himself perhaps in this role where that's where he, he 
you know can, can add real value and maybe that's something that at the end of the season with a permanent manager they'll have to have a look at and discuss and go okay this is what this is what your brief is this is what we need you to do because clearly it, it does feel a little bit unclear at the moment yeah you mentioned permanent manager Manchester United have made David Ornstein's column again on the Athletic on Monday morning he says that they've finalized their shortlist for the next manager at Old Trafford and the recruitment process is going to step up now. Uh, he's confirmed that Richie Pochettino and Eric Ten Hag, which everyone seems to be talking about, are two of the names on that shortlist as well. That's encouraging, Andy, isn't it, considering we're in February. United need to strike early with this rather than wait until the summer, don't they? Yeah, no no surprises. I, I think that it's about getting them lined up and that back-channel communication where you know even if you don't need to make it official, who is coming in. That's what the top clubs do. It's about planning and forward planning. The names mentioned, they've all got the the pros and the cons. And I think that United fans would would be pretty welcoming. I think Ten Hag would be the favourite among most Manchester United fans, but Pochettino would be popular as well. And there are others like Luis Enrique with the issues there. I think he's a fantastic manager, but obviously Spain are in the World Cup this year. So... He laughed off suggestions um, when that that came around uh, first first time round, and then can you rule out Ralph Rangnick? The club say yes, everything we've been told is no, but if he wins the European Cup, which he's going to do, <laughs> that's a bit of a tricky one. And then with Darren Fletcher, that answer, yeah, it, it didn't look great, but no. I think him and Fletcher have got a decent enough relationship, and I think that. Um, Darren is getting involved but it's also a legitimate question to ask what exactly his role is because he's the man who interviewed Ralph Rangnick uh, for the job and he's sat next to him so is he his boss is he under him it, it, it's all a little bit murky but if the team are doing alright and beating Leeds United away things like that don't 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 matter as much No that's true if you want to read more about Fletcher and indeed the manager search both those articles are up on The Athletic at the minute. Remember you can still get that offer as well the first six months at just £1 a month go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod but for the minute Laurie and Andy thank you so much for being with us as always thank you for listening at home as well we'll be back on Thursday after Manchester United's trip to the Wanda Metropolitano we'll also preview Watford but for now Andy go and get yourself that sausage and egg McMuffin mate see you later bye bye Athletic.